Yo, 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 episode number 80-something, I believe is episode 89, if I'm not mistaken, of the It's Just a Game podcast. I'm your host, Chris Peel, flying solo today because I really wasn't going to do an episode, but Doug Peterson and Jeffrey Lurie mutually agreed to part ways. Wink, wink, we all know what that means. So I definitely had to talk about that, man. I wanted to talk about... Because I've been saying this for weeks now. How long does a Super Bowl championship actually buy you? Does it buy you two years, three years, four years, five years, six years? Well, I guess we got an answer. But it's not all, all in black and white. And I'm definitely going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about responsibility in sports and how it changes things. Specifically with Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens. Oh, yes, we're going to get into that. Once again, because after 16 years, this. T.O. and McNabb drama is still done over. I'm going to talk about feeling bad for athletes. Why do we feel bad for athletes ever? These guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to play a game, which we watch and we invest so much time in. And these guys go home and chill in their mansion and, and go in the yard and have a jacuzzi and all that. And we somehow feel bad for these guys. Why? And um, I'm going to talk about Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, he had some comments about the Browns before the game. Kind of backfired on them. But I'm going to talk about why I did not have a problem with it. Let's get into that on the other side. Don't you know it's just a game? So I've always asked myself and I ask other people, how long does the championship actually last? How much leeway does it give you? In any sport, no. So if you win the championship, you win the Super Bowl, you win the World Series, you win an NBA championship, you win the Stanley Cup. You know, you think that will buy you at least, I feel like back in the day, it bought you about five years. But in this day and age, apparently it only bought you three years. Pretty much. Most Coaches that win a championship are usually with that team for a long time. And I thought about this a lot. And I always said, you know what? I think about three years is about right. When you're in a town like this, like Philadelphia, that has the most passionate fan base that, I mean, it's the only fan base that I know that I have a close enough relationship with. But to me, it's just, I don't want to say Doug Peterson had to go, but his decision-making was not the best. I don't think it's strictly just about the record. And this also goes back to the Chip Kelly days. Chip Kelly, let's look at Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was here for about three years. 2013, 10-6 playoffs. 2014, 10-6, just missed the playoffs because of a bad December. 2015, though, his first bad season. And when you look back at the record, it wasn't it wasn't even as bad as this season was. He went seven and nine in his well, seven and well, six and nine. I think he got fired right before the last game of the season. But it's all about what happens, what leads up to it, what's the gauge like in the locker room, what's going on around the team. It's not just all in black and white. Now with Chip Kelly, it was because he got full control of the roster and people weren't liking the roster moves that he was making. It was a disconnect with the team. 
because I forgot who said it, but people were saying that he didn't even, he would walk by a player in the hallway and not even say hi with it and say hi to that player. I mean, do you want to be around a coach like that? Do you want to play for a guy that's not even going to acknowledge your existence when you're walking past him by the water cooler? I don't think so. And I think it was the same thing with Doug Peterson. People said when he benched Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfeld in that last game of the season, he may have lost the locker room. Now, I'm surprised that my guy Tyre, who I had on last week, he said the same thing. I'm really surprised that it happened so late into the offseason. Granted, it's not really late in the offseason. The season just ended last week. But usually when the coach gets fired, it's on Black Monday. It's the Monday right after that last game of the season where all the coaches get fired. We saw a bunch of coaches get fired this year. This is no different. Every single year we see at least three or four get coaches. Three or four coaches get fired on Black Monday. This was a terrible year all around. This was Carson Wentz's worst year. This was Doug Peterson's worst year. It was a bad year. And it's not just this year with Doug Peterson. We've seen the writing on the wall. The last couple of years, I mean, 18 and 19, I know we've made the playoffs because of, of late runs, but we haven't, we haven't gotten off to a good start since the 2017 season. I'm tired of being one and three, two and four, five and six, and having to go on this crazy run at the end of the year just to make the playoffs. It was good while it lasted, Doug, and we always appreciate you for bringing the first ever championship to the city. You will always go down in history for that. If we never win a championship ever again, if the Eagles never win another Super Bowl, you know who's going to be the, the only head coach to bring that Super Bowl here? It's going to be Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson still has a statue outside. Now that I think about it, there's a statue outside of Nick Foles talking to Doug Peterson. Neither one of those guys are on the team anymore. It's crazy to think about that. And that was just three years ago. This is not old. This was 15 years ago. These are God of legends. This was three years ago we won the Super Bowl. And you're telling me by the year 2021, neither one of the guys in the statue are here anymore. We're going to get into the Nick Foles stuff because I have a lot to say about that. Actually, I don't have a lot to say about that. I've talked about that a lot. I feel like at least five of the guests that I had on had asked me about this. And I'm just going to say this one last time. Yes, the Eagles made the right decision by keeping Carson Wentz over Nick Foles. And I saw another comment today, and that let me know we don't even deserve a good football team because I'm so tired of Eagles fans. Oh, this is the exact comment that I saw. Actually, I'm not going to say exact because I don't really, I, I kind of remember, but I don't know it verbatim per se. But it was something about the Eagles were stupid for keeping for getting rid of the guy that won your Super Bowl over a guy who never proven himself. What do you mean he never proved himself? Why are you talking about never proving himself when Carson Wentz had a good, solid rookie season and he was on his way to winning the MVP in the 2017 season? Carson Wentz did most of the heavy lifting in that season. I use this analogy all the time. If I bring up a couch to the 13th step and this, these steps had 15 steps, and some other guy, and I'm like, oh my God, I can't make it the last two steps. And you come up and you bring it up the last two steps. I mean, your job is pretty easy. Like all you have to do is finish the job. I did most of the heavy lifting. I mean, maybe I'm crazy for looking at it that way, but let's not forget who got us there, who won us the division. We were the division winners and the number one seed when Carson Wentz got hurt. That game at the Rams, that game he got injured against the Rams, he was the quarterback. That was the game that won us the division. Nick Foles, 
I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Nick Foles had a couple of average games leading up to the Super Bowl. He just had a great two games, and he had the best two games of his life to win that Super Bowl. I get it. But Nick Foles was not winning that Super Bowl. He was a starter the entire season. And if you don't believe me, go look at Nick Foles' numbers for every other team that he's played for. He was terrible with the Bears earlier this year. He was terrible with the Jaguars. He got benched for Gardner Minshew. He was terrible with the St. Louis Rams back in 2015. So let's not act like Nick Foles is Joe Montana or something like that. If Nick Foles was that good, he would be a starter right now. Back to Doug Peterson. In 2016 and 2017, his decisions were really, really good. Every time he would go for it on a fourth down or go for it for two, and I liked the aggressiveness. I was never one of those guys that was against him going for two. I was never one of those fans that looked at it and said, why are you doing this? Just take no. You know, when you're taking what you're given, you know, it's a reason that they're giving you that. Sometimes you have to go out and make things happen. The reason we fell in love with Doug Peterson in 2016 is because he made those bold decisions. And in 2017, we saw how it all came to fruition in the Super Bowl. He could have easily just went for the field goal on that fourth and goal right before halftime. But who knows, the way the Patriots were playing offensively in the second half, he knew that he had to, had to outscore them. But you can't love it one year and then complain about it the very next year when he doesn't take the points. Now, granted, there are times when he should have taken the points. And that's why I said this last week as well. I said during the Washington game, when he went for it on that fourth down, it was a fourth and goal from like the four-yard line when they were down three points and when you could have just taken a field goal to tie the game. I remember thinking to myself, he's probably he probably knows he's going to get fired. Because I'm not going to lie, if I know I'm going to get fired, if I know this is my last game, I might as well go all out. Well, there, I got nothing to lose. Why well, kick a field goal and, and tie the game if I can just take the lead right here? That's what I'm thinking. Now, I think Eagles fans are really, really ungrateful. And it's going to take for him to go to another team and have some success for everyone to appreciate him. Again, I know his decisions were not the best. But people overreact to everything. And I thought Eagles fans were the worst, but they're not. I look at every team's Facebook page. I look at I look at the gauge of every team's fans. They all complain about the same thing. Everyone complains about the coaching. Everyone complains about the play calling. Everyone complains about their quarterback's play. Everyone wants everyone fired all the time after one bad game. Like these 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 fans these days do not give anyone a chance. You're sitting on an armchair for a reason. You're sitting in your chair in your living room or in your man cave. For a reason, you're not a head coach. Stop trying to tell these coaches how to do their jobs. Please. Now, I was really 50-50. I pretty much had apathy about Doug Peterson. If he came back next year, cool. But sometimes the marriages don't work. We have to save our quarterback. I mean, your quarterbacks generally are longer, are around longer than your coaches. So, I mean, if you have a franchise quarterback, you have to make him happy. 
You have to bring in a guy, and you have to bring in an offensive guy that can fix this guy. That can fix Carson Wentz. You have to. You can't bring in... You can bring in a defensive coordinator because we need that now. But this is kind of the best situation, honestly. I mean, think about it. You have to bring in an offensive guy, and you also have to bring in a defensive guy. Do what Sean McVay did years ago. He became the coach of the Rams. He focused on the offense, and he hired Wade Fields to focus on the defense. Bring in a guy like that that can just strictly focus on the defense, and you can worry about the offense, and you can worry about... Uh, you can bring your own quarterback coach, your own offensive coordinator. I would love to. That's another thing. I would love to bring in a coach that doesn't want to call plays. I would love to have a guy that's about the offense, but has an offensive coordinator to do that part of the job that lets him, you take care of this. I make, I'll take care of the decision making. When you're doing too much at one time, I feel like that gets in the way. I can't worry about a challenge and, and calling the timeout at the right time and how many minutes to the two-minute warning if I have to worry about what play I'm going to call within 40 seconds. It's too much to worry about at the time. But Doug Peterson was never going to give that up. And I know he said he gave it up to, um I forgot who the offensive coordinator was, he gave it up to him a little bit at the end of the year, but you can tell Doug Peterson was a broken, beaten-down man by the end of the season. All that joy in his face that was here from when he got hired in 2016, it was just not there anymore. It just wasn't. And like I said, three years, man. It's all it took. But the last two, three years have been bad. It's gotten gradually worse. I mean, we barely snuck in the playoffs in 2018. We got a playoff win. So we kind of forget how bad the beginning of the season went. 2019, we won a division because we got to play some terrible divisional opponents at the end of the season. So we we kind of forgot that we lost to the Miami Dolphins. We kind of forgot that we lost to the Detroit Lions early in the season. So, you know. But this year was just the icing on the cake. And I got scared because once I saw that he was going to meet with Jeffrey Lurie today... I was like, yeah, I don't have a good feeling about this. I really didn't. I kind of knew right there when I saw that that he was not going to be back. Now, they didn't really call it a firing. Technically, they called it a, they mutually parted ways. I mean, call it whatever you want to call it, but we have to go find a new coach. And Malcolm Jenkins said, Deuce Daly should be the next man up. I kind of agree. I would love to keep Deuce Daly on the staff. But I don't really know if we want him as a head coach. Is he ready for that? Maybe he has been a coach on here for a while now. He was here since Deuce Daly was here. I mean, since Chip Kelly was here. So he could be ready. But I just think when you're going to bring... I don't, I'm not really a fan of just elevating the interim head coach. I'm a fan of just bringing in a whole other guy from the outside and letting him put his stamp on there. Because I just feel like Deuce Daly is going to just do the same exact things that Doug Peterson is doing. Which I'm not saying that it's too bad. I just feel like the decision making was just too much when you're trying to do so many things at once, like I said before. Everyone said, oh, bringing another guy is going to not run the ball. When they were talking about uh, uh, Mike Kafka from, from the Chiefs. And, you know, I saw that and I'm thinking, you know what? Running the ball in the league only gets you so far. And I talked about this two weeks ago. Is running the ball overrated? A little bit. I mean, think about it. The Tennessee Titans have a 2,000-yard rusher, and they're out in the first round. 
All that running the ball nonsense doesn't mean anything to me. And I get it. They played against another team that ran the ball well. This is the, the number one and two rushing team. So one of the teams had to lose. So it's kind of a bad example on my part. But what I'm saying is if your best player is a running back, you're not really going to go far. Man. I mean, what's the last team that won a Super Bowl with their best player being a running back? I don't know. Maybe Marshawn Lynch. But back then, they their best player was their, was their defense. You know, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, Malcolm Smith, those guys. Michael Bennett. I mean, I would have to go back to probably the Broncos, like 98, 97. But we do need to fix Carson Wentz. That's what I'm taking from this. We have to bring in a guy that can fix Carson Wentz and put him back on track to what he we had. Sometimes these marriages don't work. Sometimes you're with somebody for a couple of years and you think it's going good. And the first year is good. You know, you're going out to eat and and everything is fine. And, you know, you're like, oh, don't worry about that, babe. You don't got to clean up that mess. Like, we'll get it. Oh, we'll order out. You don't have to cook. You don't got to do this. Let's just sit back and watch some Netflix. This is good. This is beautiful. But then after a couple of years, you realize she can't cook and you, he, you can't really talk to him. And there's just so many things that, like, you don't got anything in common. Now that you think about it. And I think that's what happened with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. And I think they had to go their separate ways. And you want to get rid of the quarterback, which you can fix, or you're going to get rid of the coach who's pretty much stuck in his ways. You're going to go with the guy that you're paying over $100 million to. You're going to take your chances with Carson Wentz. And if it doesn't work, so be it. But you got to try with Carson Wentz before you try with Doug Peterson, especially the way the season ended. All right. Football fatigue, no such thing. Let's talk about um, responsibility when it comes with different job titles. So Donovan McNabb and T.O. are still going at it. And, you know, T.O. talking about McNabb, I mean, McNabb threw up at the at the Super Bowl, talking about he was out drinking the night before. And I'm like, first of all, T.O., stop snitching. And second of all, why are you guys still going back and forth? It's over. You guys play here for a year and a half. I don't even know. You guys aren't even tied to each other like that. You guys didn't get drafted together. You guys weren't on the same team that long. Like, who who cares? Get over it, please. I know McNabb talked about this last year, but we need to move past this. And Eagles fans need to stop sleeping on Donovan McNabb like he was some scrub. Look, T.O. was a good player. When we got him, he was the missing puzzle piece. But you know what? He was a good receiver. But was he the reason you're going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. Everyone wants to act like, oh, T.O. was out there. He was a warrior for going out there and having nine catches for 134 yards or whatever he had in the Super Bowl. And and McNabb choked again. Uh, McNabb threw three touchdowns in that Super Bowl, if you don't remember correctly. Yes, he threw three interceptions, but again, he threw three touchdowns, and I believe he threw for over 300 yards. Everyone talks about he's a warrior, but McNabb played through numerous injuries throughout his career as he was the franchise quarterback for us for about 11 years. And are we forgetting the 2002 game where he, I think, sprained his ankle when he threw four touchdowns on a sprained ankle against the Arizona Cardinals in the last season of Veteran Stadium? Are we forgetting that? I think you guys are. Let's stop acting like that because T.O. had less responsibility than McNabb had. Terrell Owens was a receiver. 
it's a little easier to be a receiver than it is to be a franchise quarterback of an NFL team. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying being an NFL wide receiver is easy by any stretch. I know it's not. But I can promise you that being an NFL quarterback is a thousand times harder. And I just feel like Eagles fans pick and choose who they want to root for. They pick and choose which side they want to take. They pick and choose who was the better player. It's not that simple. In fact, it, and I think about it, it is that simple. I mean, you don't really need to be a genius or a mad scientist to realize that McNabb had way more on his plate than T.O. did. So what if McNabb went out drinking the night before? So what? People go out partying all the time. All the time. But I'm sorry, I'm going to take McNabb's side over this. We knew the kind of baggage that T.O. had before he got here. We knew the kind of things that he did. We knew he pretty much tore apart that team in 05, but it's like people don't remember that. All they remember is the one Super Bowl moment that he had because he had a good game because he was injured. Okay, so what? Like McNabb did that all the time. McNabb played through numerous injuries, and it's... Again, it's easier to be a wide receiver when you have to worry about your route and just, you know, go out there and play with nothing to lose. And you just want to talk about yourself, Mr. I love me some me. But come on, man. I don't understand the relationship between Eagles fans and Donovan McNabb. I really just don't get it at all. I don't think I ever will. Alright, let's talk about something else. This has been on my mind for the last, I would say about two weeks. Please stop feeling bad for these athletes. All I've been hearing the last couple of weeks, especially over the last couple of weeks, is free Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson deserves better. He doesn't deserve to be on that team. He's such a good talent. You're going to waste his career. Deshaun Watson is in his fourth year. First of all, when they traded DeAndre Hopkins, he signed the contract after they traded him. So he knew what he was getting himself into. I would never feel sorry for a guy signing a contract with an NFL team, a $100 million contract, making that kind of money playing football, let alone a guy who signs with a team knowing what kind of team he signed with. If you get drafted by that team, okay. Maybe I feel a little bad for you, but you're still in the NFL. You get traded to that team, okay, maybe I feel a little bad for you, but you're still in the NFL. But if you willingly go to the team as a free agent, or you resign with that team, no one says you had to resign with that team. You didn't have to sign an extension, but you saw that money, you saw that, that letters that they waved in front of you, and you were like, okay, I'll sign. I looked on Deshaun Watson's Instagram a couple of days ago, this guy is, is on a boat somewhere in the middle of somewhere. I don't know what his girlfriend or wife or whatever living his best life. So while you guys are feeling sorry for Deshaun Watson, so, oh, he needs to get out of Houston. He needs that like he's he, he seems content to me. I don't think Deshaun Watson is that upset. And why do we give him an excuse for putting up all these numbers, but we don't give anybody else that kind of luxury? I just feel like Peyton Manning never got that kind of excuse. No other quarterback in history has ever gotten the 
the deflect the that Deshaun Watson has gotten. Every time there's a bad team, it's on the quarterback. I don't care what kind of numbers they put up. I mean, we did the same thing for Tony Romo. Tony Romo put up crazy numbers, and everyone said, everyone always said that he choked. Everyone always said that Peyton Manning choked. It was never about, oh, put a better team around it. Oh, you need a better coach. You need, but for some reason, Deshaun Watson gets, he gets no flack at all. Like, at all. And why is that? Like, why does every other quarterback in the league get something like that? Even Matthew Stafford. Oh, he's not a winner. Matt Ryan. Oh, he's not a winner. He can't do that. He can't win good games. He can't win this. He's a, he, he's just an average quarterback. He puts up garbage top numbers. But then you get a guy that wins, like Jimmy Garoppolo, and his numbers aren't good enough for you. But a guy that puts up numbers and doesn't win gets all the flack in the, gets all the slack in the world. They get all the praise and half the flack. Deshaun Watson gets no flack at all for being on a team that went, I believe, four and twelve this year. Yes, they were in a lot of close games, but they they played a lot of good teams early in the season, and I know they played some tough teams. But in the NFL, you have to win against tough teams. Guess what you're going to have to do in the playoffs? You're going to have to beat good teams. That's all I'm saying. I just feel like we have to stop picking and choosing who we're going to go take it easy on. You can't do that. It's the same thing in basketball. Like, I mean, finally, you guys are finally starting to hold Kawhi Leonard and Paul George accountable. But up until then, no one ever did. No one ever gave Kawhi Leonard any kind of flack at all. But everyone, Kevin, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, LeBron James were like the only ones. Giannis Antetokounmpo or whatever. Damian Lillard gets none. I don't even think Damian Lillard made the playoffs last year. But no one cares because he puts up numbers. Why do we pick and choose who we're going to go at? Why are some players just get all of the brunt of all the criticism if his team doesn't win it? He's the star of the team, but some players don't. I'll, I'll wait. Hold on. I, I'm going to wait some more. Oh, are you ready? Okay. Why is Tom Brady not good enough? Or why does Tom Brady get flagged for losing any game, but Deshaun Watson can lose 12 games, but it's not it's not the same? Why do not see Deshaun Watson fail to close out this game yet again? Why do not see that on SportsCenter? But every time Tom Brady throws an interception or Drew Brees has a uh, bad game, it's it, it's the end of the world. That's all I want to know. All right, one more thing before I go. I was going to talk about the playoffs, but I kind of want to wait to have a guest on. And let's see. But I do want to talk about one thing. Juju Smith-Schuster. Everyone is giving Juju all of this flag for what he said about the, the Cleveland Browns. He said, you know what? They're a bunch of great faces. And... At the end of the day, they're still a Brown. And everyone want to, you know, come at him after the game for, you know, because they lost the game. What did you guys expect Juju to say? Anybody who believes in his whole bulletin board material doesn't really know much about football. 
I'm sorry, these guys are professional athletes. I don't think they need bullet to board material. I don't think you need someone to say something for you to go extra hard. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play good now because he said this. That's not how it works. Like, I don't care what I say. Like, you're not gonna like if you're a good player, you're a good player. I can say, oh, this guy's a bum. If he's a bum, he's not gonna magically turn into Joe Montana or turn into Terrell Davis or Barry Sanders or nothing. If he's a bum, he's probably still gonna be a bum when the game starts. I just don't understand that. And after the game, Chase Chase Claypool said they're going to get stopped by the Kansas City Chiefs, which they probably are. It was a little salty, though. I mean, that one I don't really agree with. But I don't really have a problem with what Juju said. I never really had a problem with Juju's TikTok videos. I mean, if the players want to have a problem with it, like, sure, that's cool. I mean, I'm not really the TikTok type of person. I mean, I'm not really big on watching men dance on TikTok, honestly. So it doesn't really affect me at all. But it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, if other guys want to take offense to it, that's on him. If he wants to put that out there and put a target on his back, that, that's on him. But I don't think it changes the outcome of a game. I mean, that hit that he took from Von Bell in that Monday night game a couple of weeks ago, Sure, that was probably due to the TikTok video. But I don't think that changed the way that the Bengals played the entire game. I mean, they were probably going to lose that game regardless. I mean, Pittsburgh has not been playing well at all. I mean, they've had one good half against the Indianapolis Colts, and that's, that's the only good half they had since the uh, Washington game. So I, I don't really have a problem with it. But uh, one more thing. So the Titans and the Ravens, I just want to say, I love when two teams who are not actually division rivals, like, just dig up a rivalry. These two teams, whew, it's going to be fun watching these two guys play against each other for the next, next couple of years. And that was a good game. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to keep this short, nice, under a half an hour. I definitely had to talk about Doug Peterson today. Honestly, wasn't going to do an episode today, but I just had to when Doug Peterson got fired. Um, You know, I had to talk a little stuff, so... Let's get to it. And remember, it's just a game until it's not.